What's up, guys? This is Stick to Football Bleacher Reports College Football and NFL Draft Podcast. It's your host, Matt Miller, and we're all out on vacation. Connor is out probably somewhere at the shore doing push-ups. Mello is at home. Uh, I'm out on the road. So today you get a special best of top fives. A lot of fun throwbacks in here from the Friday morning show. Some rivalries, uh, some some things from the tailgates. It's going to be a lot of fun. So enjoy the best of the top five, and we'll be back with a regular show on Friday morning. Top five time. So excited. You're excited. So excited. I, was ready I can't match your intensity. I'm trying to hold back a burp. <laughs> so excited. Uh, top five. Yeah, we had tacos before this. And they were really good. Top five time. Top five quarterback controversies. There's so much quarterback controversy going on, which you look at Tua and Jalen Hurts. You look at all this NFL Tyrod stuff. and Baker. Exactly. Josh it's, Allen and A.J. McCarron. It's hot in the streets right hot, now. It's lit. So we're going to go over uh, top five quarterback controversies that we All remember. Time. College or pro. I'm going to start it off for you. I'm going with the first quarterback controversy that I can remember. And looking back on it now, it's just absolutely ridiculous that it was even ever in question. But if you go back to the University of Michigan... Drew Henson won the starting quarterback job over a little guy named Tom Brady. He won the job because they wanted him back from the Yankees, right? Yeah, because he's like one of those high-profile prospects. Yeah. You know, he gets recruited. He's fucking. He's Darnell Jefferson. He comes in. He's got the band, the yeah, dancing honeys. The <laughs> so they pretty much just give him the job. Yeah. Little do they know they got a guy named Tom Brady. He turned out to be pretty all right in his career. So that's the first one for me, number five. I can't believe it. Just Tom Brady overlooked so much. And he was winning games and they would bench him. Like he would start the first quarter and get like a 14-0 lead, bench him. Drew Henson would come in. Yeah, they were splitting reps. And they play the hot hand. The guy that can't even hit the curveball. Yeah. Which uh, is totally irrelevant in football. But he looked but like one. He still couldn't do it. I have two things that I want to talk about before I get to my number five. Number one, we should have named this podcast The Program. Yep. Just yep. missed up. Can we rebrand a year and a half now? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we can. But if you were from Missouri, you'd go, oh, we have too much merchandise. Oh, it's too, too late now. Yeah. What are we going to do with Maybe. 50 hoodies? <laughs> we have a lot more than 50. Uh, so number five on my list, uh, my first year coaching, uh, and I wasn't even like a full-time coach. I was kind of helping out, uh, doing a bunch of different stuff, and uh, go into August practice, and we got three quarterbacks on the roster. What are you going to do? Mellow? Our buddy Cole and Colby and McCullough oh. splitting reps of quarterback. That's my honorable mention. <laughs> but that quarterback controversy was was heated. I was really wondering where you I mean, were going. And it went into the next year after you graduated. We still had a quarterback controversy till I pulled the reins when we moved that kid to fullback. And- Not with me and Cole, though. Like We did have a little bit of a quarterback contra- controversy. But I remember getting hurt and being like knee immobilized on the sideline and getting our friend Cole, who was a freshman when I was a senior, and being like, hey, this is your fucking chance. Go take my job. Yeah. Right now, get your ass on the field. It's probably why we're still friends. Probably so. So that, that uh, moment, from honorable mention, I mean, I Cole really took a step the next year when I was his quarterback's coach. I don't know, because I was gone in college, living yeah. the dream. Had a good year. Uh, the real one for me, Ohio State several years back, Braxton Miller, JT Barrett, 12-gauge, Cardale Jones. People yeah. forget Cardale played like three games, won a national championship. He won the Big Ten and the national ch- a playoff game, playoff right? Playoff game and, t- and, an, and the Natty. Natty. Yeah. Pretty good run. Not working out. Not so hot great. Now. I mean, if you look at those guys right now, it just, 
it doesn't seem all that special, but they dominated Back at college the time. Football. I think JT Barrett and Braxton Miller both were like Big Ten freshmen of the year. Right. I mean, Braxton almost won the Heisman. Oh, or was Heisman I mean, I dominated uh, TR with him in NCAA yeah. 14. Like, you JT just can't Barrett, stop him. Do you know who JT Barrett plays for right now? Ooh, I don't. Anybody? I'm, I will give anyone in this room $500. They know who he plays for without Googling it. I want to say the Bengals. The, the Saints. Oh, really? Of course. Short quarterback with no arm strength. Where's he yep. going to go? Yeah, it works out. That's how it works. So, But that they were dominant, those three. I, I love The Braxton watching. got moved to that H position. Yeah. Cut some weight. Everybody got thought fast. he was going to be awesome. Got drafted early. I don't know what he's doing Dang now. He's still playing receiver for the Texans. Uh, he's probably hurt again. Probably or so. Still. Or. Next one up for me, number four on my list. I'm going back to uh, one we talked about not too long ago. Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick. That was a, That's a good one. Those are two guys that I just don't feel like they got along. So you can talk about other controversies. I really don't think they like had each other's back. Alex Smith, the number one pick, he was supposed to be the franchise guy, and then gets replaced by this big athlete that can throw the ball 100 miles an hour. Not too good of a look They for They played completely opposite because Alex is all about the short game, touch, check downs. And Colin was like, I'm going to throw this fucker 120 miles an hour. Hope it doesn't break your hand. Yeah, it worked out for him. I mean, they made a Super Bowl. Yeah. Looked really good. Then the wheels kind of came off that thing for a while. Yeah. Number four on my list, Russell Wilson and his nano bubbles and Jesus against Matt Flynn. And it, this controversy lasted about a week in training camp, and then it was gone. But uh, back then, they had signed Matt Flynn to a big money free agent contract, which is why a lot of people, myself included, we're not fans of them drafting Russell Wilson in the third round. Not because he wasn't a value there, but it was like, why are you double dipping? Yeah. And they traded for Charlie Whitehurst, I think. So they triple dipped, really, which just sounds good. Mm-hmm. Like an ice cream cone for triple dip. Almost sounds like a segment that we have Ooh, here. On triple the dipper. Uh, so hey, Matt Flynn was a guy, though, that got a lot of money because he had one really right. good game. What do you Green think? Green Bay. Like, Five touchdowns in yep. one game, and then everybody thought, like, oh, this is the next That was guy. back when you just signed backups to big money deals and thought, oh, they'll be All, fine. Every year, like, oh, who's, who's the best quarterback that's yeah. not starting? Let's give him a Brian shitload of Brum, money. Or, you know, it yeah. worked with Matt Hasselback, and everybody thought, oh, this is the thing to do. So uh, it worked out okay for Seattle. They won a Super Bowl and then lost one, and Russell Wilson's good. I think he's okay. He's I don't know how I feel about Russell Wilson. Matt Flynn didn't work. Though. I don't know. I'm still kind of weirded out on him too. Just uh, that's the thing. I'm so weirded out about guy. him as a human being that I have a hard time appreciating him as a football player. Like, yeah, he is a good player. Like you can't argue that he's had, he's been very successful. But I don't even like to watch him. Like watching him try to dance and do the challenge that Drake challenge it really set the guy back for me. <laughs> it has nothing to do with football. I've been out on him since he said that like God was healing his concussions and the nano bubbles made him to where he couldn't get hurt. Yeah, that probably did it for that me. That was too. my breaking point. Uh, and the fact that the whole defense hated him as well. Like there's just something to that. Yeah. Next one for me, I'm going to go number 3. I'm going with Drew Brees and Philip Rivers. I loved Philip Rivers. Yes. He was like my In guy. college even. And so obviously I wasn't scouting because I barely even do it now. But when Philip Rivers was in college, everybody was like, oh, this guy's going to be like a third round pick. And I was pissed off about it. I was like, no, he is the best quarterback in college. He should be a high pick. And I was talking about him before the senior bowl. And then the senior bowl comes around and dude goes off. 
Chargers draft him. Well, no. <laughs> nah, the, the Giants, Giants drafted him and he gets traded, but he ended up with the Chargers. The whole Drew Brees situation, him getting hurt, it was awkward, but that was a good battle. Both quarterbacks were playing really well until both still Drew really well. Brees got hurt. Yeah, they're two of the probably top six quarterbacks in the yeah. league. I'm probably biased. Cole shaking his head. He's like, again, I really like Philip Rivers. I think Rivers is top. I, I would say Breeze is like, you can make the argument Breeze is three. Yeah. But Rivers Brady, is Rogers, seven. Breeze. It gets Brady, Rogers, Breeze. And then it's an argument. People would say Wentz, Goff. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fair. Russell Wilson, well. Big Ben. Yeah. But. But he's up, there. he's up there either way. So that's the quarterback controversy I'm going with. I like it. Though. I'm glad we picked t- such a tough word to say in controversy. Quarterback controversy? <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is you. Uh, number three on my list. You are not old enough to remember this. And I don't think anyone else in the room is if they were listening either. Phil Sims, Big Phil, our buddy Chris's dad, against Jeff Hostetler. Another g- example where a guy got hurt. Phil gets hurt. Hostetler comes in, takes him through the playoffs, and it seemed like, and I I was a teenager or maybe not even at the time, from the outside looking in, it seemed like Bill Parcells never really liked Phil Sims. So it was like any opportunity he had to play someone else, he did. And Jeff Hostetler had, I mean, when he was with the Giants, had like a nice little run, never really culminated in him becoming anything anywhere else. But um, that it was like 91, I think he played 12 games. I can remember this one. Not as like on TV, but Tecmo, Tecmo Super, Bowl. Super Bowl. Like you had to pick which one you wanted. And Hostetler, I believe, was the guy that they had starting. Yeah. And you always put Sims in. I don't remember because I can barely remember the game. I was like four years old. So the 91 Giants, that was a good year. I mean, and Hostetler was, he was the dude. He had that sweet ass mustache. And then he ended up being a Raider for a while. Yeah. I remember that. Oh, never mind. They went eight and eight that year. What am I smoking? I don't know. Phil went one and three. Hosteller went seven and five. Mm. Oh, How about this is that? hilarious. Look at, I don't know. I'm <laughs> in a weird rabbit hole on, on the whole season. The team threw 13 touchdowns. Could you imagine How that? Yards. You got yards up there. 3,025. Yeah. That's it's not, a different, different world. 13 touchdowns. So that's they rushed, rushed for 16. They didn't score a lot. That's what that's telling me. It's also 91. It's like when you race a Prius. You yeah. don't win a lot. Yeah. Next one for me is Ooh. a hot topic because... Oh, can't wait. I can just tell you, I don't like any of these guys. But they had a quarterback controversy. A one of them ended up being a Heisman Trophy winner in the first pick in the draft. One of them ended up being the number 10 pick in the draft and took over for the Chiefs. One of them we thought was going to take over for Eli Manning and be the future there. So I'm going with that Texas Tech quarterback trio. These dudes, Pat Mahomes, who is my favorite one, and I kind of secretly root for him and try to ignore the fact that he went to Tech, beat these guys out. He sent a Heisman, a future Heisman Trophy winner. Who won five games. Get the fuck out of town. We don't need you. five and oh. Yeah, so you get those guys. I can't believe that Tech had all three of them at one time. But they also didn't win like any games. They went four and eight, seven and six, five and seven. You have all that talent at quarterback, and the Red Raiders just still suck. Cliff Kingsbury is one of the weirdest things to me in college football because, as you like to say, he was so hot in the streets right when he came and became the head coach there, like 2013. Oh, everybody thought he was going to be like some great recruiter. Right. And uh, no. 
Nope. No. Nope. His best season has been eight and five, and it was 2013. Yeah. yeah. After uh, that, nothing. I mean, they went six and six last year. I think he's a guy that's on the hot seat. I know he's at his alma mater, but that's why you're not looking good. Like there. You, you do a Scott Frost, go to Oregon, go to UCF, then go home. Right. You got to, you know, earn it back. Yes. Like you can't just go be the get it offensive coordinator at A&M and then be a head coach. He's so. making $3.9 million a year, though. I mean, it's not a bad look. He's probably just the king of where it loved Lubbock, Texas. Ooh, yeah. Congratulations. That's, that's like, I would rather be the king of Joplin than the king of Lubbock, Texas. I would too, but I've also never been to Lubbock. So I'm going with that trio uh, for my there. quarterback controversy. I'm glad Pat Mahomes won that job. He also just looked best in the uniform. Well, he could throw the ball. Which I think hundred yards. In. You've never been to Lubbock? No, it's out in West Texas. Why well, it's in the the top, the boot heel or nope. whatever. They, they call it a boot heel from Missouri. It's not in Dallas or Austin. I probably <laughs> haven't been there. It's an interesting little town. Yeah, it's a shithole. I'm reading with the demographics now. So hook them. It's about the size of Joplin. Not interested. A lower education rate. (laughs) Shocker. All right, number two. The only way I'm ever going to Lubbock is to tear down that fucking statue they have. What statue do they have? The horse, the raider, and its ass is pointing towards Austin. Really? (laughs) Which is pretty creative, but I want to why like thing. why are you picking on your big brother who's beat your ass for the entirety of your life? Why I don't understand why people like oh fuck Texas. Like, oh yeah, and I know Texas is a little down right now, but te- like Texas Tech would be happy to be seven and five. Yeah, they're not even like on the radar for no. being like a true Oklahoma rivalry. is not, the, like, the rival. same with A and M. Like get the fuck out of here. You're not even close to what Texas right. has. You had Johnny Menzel. Your best year is our shit year. Like, you're getting fired if you go 8-5 and at Texas. Yeah. If you look at Charlie Strong, Texas Tech would nut themselves to have a Charlie Strong-type run. It probably won't ever happen. Won't happen, but their coach can dance. Congratulations. (laughs) And he looks good in those sunglasses. If I had to pick a a second team in the state of Texas to like, it would be TCU. Or Houston. Just the not University the of Houston and Major Applewhite's their head coach. Yeah, there you go. Oh, okay, that would be. And that of at Oliver for 12 more games. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Number two, I remember watching this game where Patriots, Jets, Bledsoe gets destroyed by Mo Lewis. And you're like, oh, that was a hard hit. Oh, he's not getting up. Uh, hey, he's actually not getting up. And then here comes old number 12. Skinny kid from Michigan, second year in the league, takes over and struggles at first. You know, they kind of run the ball a lot, play good defense. And then the playoffs come around. And it's like, what are they going to do? Who are they going to start? And Belichick throws those nuts on the table, says, we're going to go Brady. And then Brady got hurt and Belichick had a good, or uh, Bledsoe had a good game. And it's like, no, we're still going with Brady. And they win a Super Bowl over the thought to be unstoppable St. Louis Rams. Yeah. And the legend began. But for a moment in time, and Bledsoe was one of the first $100 million men in the NFL, maybe the first. And so that factored into it as well. And Bob Kraft loved him. And he had taken them to one Super Bowl before. Right, in 94. So uh, it is, like, it's easy to forget how hard that decision was now in hindsight. And I'm not going to be Bill Polian here, but no one knows me better than you. And I just want someone to validate the fact that I was a Brady guy at Michigan. Oh, yeah, through and through. Like, you've talked Thank about you. it before, how you were kind of a Michigan fan, and you were a big Tom Brady guy. Like, you supported him the whole time. I think you probably, like, 
were ecstatic when Bledsoe got hurt because Brady was coming. I was so happy. And you don't want to see a guy almost die on the sidelines. No. Which segues perfectly to yours. Yeah. This guy ruptured his spleen and was also involved in a controversy. I'm going with our boy, Chris Sims, here at Bleacher Report. That quarterback controversy, Sims openly talks about it. They fucking hate each other. They still don't talk. I want to get them, like, in a room together somehow. Like, we need to get that reunion, and I want to be there. I was a full-on Chris Sims supporter. I thought he should have been playing. If Let's just, like, brotherly, like, let's call bullshit. You loved Chris, and I liked Major Applewhite. Yeah, you and we've told Chris this face to face. Yeah, like, so I don't think you just favored Major Applewhite as a player. I think you probably actually hated Chris Sims. as a player. As a player, yes, yeah. Now, I loved him as a player, and he's one of the nicest dudes in the world. Like I love him now. Got the chance to meet him like a couple times. Super nice. I was rooting for him the whole time. But we got to get those two back together. I think the next time we do for a, the universe, let's do a Sims and Lefko stick to football crossover. And just not tell him that Major's going to be there. Yeah. Oh, it looks like we have a call-in. Yeah. wonder who this is. It's, it's a- Major in Houston. Houston. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, he's kind of our height. We could just be like, this is our other brother. Yeah, just bring Major. him in like a hood or something. Right, you wouldn't know. They're red hair. I wonder if they would fight each other. we got to ask him that. What's weird is there's we actually just need to have Chris on as a guest. Yeah, and just talk about like... About like college football. His days at Good Texas. Good idea. Uh, they're so different because Chris is like six four, six five. He was the number one recruit in the nation. It was yeah. a huge get for Texas that Phil's kid is like gonna go yeah, play he in was Austin. Gonna go to, was he gonna go to Ole Miss? He was gonna follow David Cutcliffe, maybe to Tennessee. And Cutcliffe got fired and ends up at Ole Miss, but Eli's there. So that's how he ended up in Texas. He has a we just need to get him on because he has a great story about all of it, and I don't want to misinterpret it. But yeah. I've heard him talk about before how Mac Brown made him room with Major Applewhite. They had to be roommates on the road. I mean, it was just crickets yes. in that hotel like, room. Knowing Chris, he should have roomed with, like, Roy Williams. Yeah. Or Cedric. They, no, Cedric they had there. all kinds of yeah. talent on that team. Like Or no, Benson was he there. He probably would have been, like, a freshman. Yeah. Roy and Chris would have been a great room. Bo Scaife. Bo Scaife. Yeah. yeah. Mike Williams, the right tackle. Right. Get those oh, two in the room together. Yeah. Leonard Davis. It's yeah. Good team. So those are really good team. Uh, yeah, we definitely, the mental reminder, you guys can get at me. We need to just get Chris on the podcast. That'd be a lot of fun. Uh, number one, and it is the greatest rivalry of all time at the quarterback position. Uh, they, back before Twitter and social media and everything, it was kept under wraps pretty well until Steve Young wins a Super Bowl with the San Francisco 49ers after the 1994 season. And he's caught on camera looking at Jerry Rice saying, get this monkey off my back. And Jerry pretends to pull the monkey off. Right. And you realize like the, it was like the Berlin Wall falling. And the hatred between Steve Young and Joe Montana was not advertised at the time. I mean, the beat writers probably knew. But again, this was in an era where you, you didn't publicize that stuff. But Joe Montana and Steve Young, before the end, before Montana got to where like he couldn't tie his shoes because his back was so bad, like in the 91, 92 seasons, when Joe would be hurt, Steve would carry him through the regular season, Joe would come back for the playoffs. So that is the greatest rivalry that I've ever seen at any position in any sport. And for the record, I liked Steve Young better. I went on a mini rant last week when it came to the top fives and said, listen, we give you guys 45-ish minutes of football talk every week, sometimes 60. 
give me 15 minutes to just not talk about football. I like, I need to decompress. There's going to be a week. I do top five, like wartime presidents or top five secretaries. You're going to have to do that on your own. (laughs) I need a break from football. Sometimes this week's top five though. It's both. It's, it's party time and it's football time. It's top five. It's the mullet of top five. It really is. <laughs> Business in the front, party in the back. The, the mullet of top fives. That's how we're promoting this show uh, is top five tailgate tips. We have defined roles when we tailgate. I am the planner. Like I'm strategy. You know, I, I'm the logistics guy. This is what we need. This is how much it's going to cost. I'm going to have to pay for it all. We're, this is what we're doing. You are the let me show up and grill. Yeah. You are the grill master. Give me them tongs and a spatula, and I'll make magic happen. So these are our top five tips. Number five for me, this is very important. Come early. You do the research. Get on the Google machine, and you find out what time do those gates fucking open. Get in line five minutes before then. We tailgated Chiefs Raiders early December in Kansas City. It's beautiful outside. It's like 30 degrees at 530 in the morning. We were no the, sun. It's no dark sun. outside. We were one of the first trucks through the gate into Arrowhead, and it was one of the greatest days of my life. Yeah, we got to pick where we wanted to park. Right. We like cruised the parking lot yeah, not because by no them, one not else by was them. there. Yeah. Maybe by them. Maybe by <laughs> them. Let's pull in. See. Nope. Okay. No. Let's move. Yeah, All right. I we'll did like some music. <laughs> let's move somewhere else. Get there early. If you're gonna go, go all out. Like, don't be the people. Oh, we're gonna show up at ten thirty. Games at noon. No. No. Commit. Exactly. Commit to excellence. Pulling Al Davis. If you're going to do it, do it right. Get there early. It's worth it. You get to sit outside and drink with your friends. Exactly. And and there's football. food, and then there's football, and there's also drinking, which leads me to my number five. Bring a tool that en- that enables you to shotgun beers. I don't care what it is. You probably have keys on you. I know they make some devices. If you're at a tailgate, at least for me, I'm going to be shotgunning beers, and I'm going to be inviting people to our tailgate to do it. Because that's a pretty damn good move, actually. Yeah. I have this bottle opener, and it's on my one of my keychains because I'm a janitor and have four. But it has like a – I think it's to be like a screwdriver tip. It's kind of like a, a knife point almost. It's a shotgun tool. Yeah, that's really. You for. just poke it in the bottom and, of the can. And I would add on to that. You also need something to open bottles because someone's going to oh. show up with a Corona or something. <laughs> right. And you're going to be like, fuck. You can use – in your if you have the vehicle – in the door that has the the U-shaped bracket where the door latches. So it's like the, the you know, if you have a four-door car, it's in the middle. You can use that to open a beer. You just find you a lady that can do it with, with her, her teeth. Mouth. Yeah. That's yeah. You know all the Bleacher Report backpacks they give us come oh, yeah. with a beer bottle opener? Yep, I'm looking at mine yeah. right yeah. now. They know. <laughs> they know the brand. So the right utensils are very important. I would just say that across the board. That's a good move. Like, don't be, th- I've done it before and we showed up with no like forks and spoons and we're like, oh fuck. We've learned over the years. Yeah. Like our, I think our first tailgate, we went with like hardly anything, like just a grill and some hamburger meat and we've grown. Yeah. That was just me and you. Yeah. That was the, when your, your burgers were so good, but they were so greasy that we put our fire out. <laughs> yeah. Cause we had like a miniature tiny ass yeah. grill. I don't know what happened. Barely there. fit two cheeseburgers. Yeah. We were probably still married then. We've learned a lot since then. So number four for me, and this is, like I said, I do logistics for our tailgate. So I think, okay, how much beer do we need? We're going to be there for, let's say we're going to be there for six hours. That's what happened at the Chiefs tailgate. There's going to be five guys times six hours times how many beers I think we're going to drink and give out in that amount of time. So do the math on that. That's how much beer you need. Buy one more case. Yeah, that's what I would say. 
whatever, not two. Whatever you think and then add two more. So because here's what happened to us last year. We had the right, exact right amount of beer for the Chiefs Raiders game. And then we went in and we came out and there's such a like that mad rush at the end of the game. Everybody wants to go home. The move, sit there and have a couple more beers and just wait. Just chill, play catch, whatever. Let everyone else get out of the stadium. Let, let your, you know, your blood alcohol drop back down. Then get out of there. If you have extra beer, you can enjoy it at that time. And also, you are going to share beer. Yeah, like, that's what like And if you're not, don't go. We talked about inviting people over to your tailgate or sometimes you even trade beer because yes. people will be like, oh, I have this disgusting beer. You guys have Natty Light. I'll trade you. And that's then you just say, you know what? You can just have one of our Natty Lights. <laughs> exactly. It's important. So whatever you're, oh, we're going to need 100 beers. You didn't think 150. Yeah. Or if you need to trade beers for some other product that you're missing, like maybe you forgot a lighter, we'll say. Yes. You yeah. can trade it. We've had this happen where we had to trade beers and some cash for other things. Yeah, for other products that right. you might have at a tailgate that don't require you to drink. My number four go-to tailgate tip is check your weather conditions because I do not tailgate in July or August. Maybe not September. I will not do it. Well, we're going to. (laughs) It's going to rain. It's fine. But good tailgates happen in November, December. Like that's the prime time to do it. I don't know that there's a wrong time, but I love layering up and going out when it's cold. You talked about the Chiefs game when it's like 30. Like that's me and my natural habitat. Just bear. Cold as fuck outside. And I have like some bib overalls on, a stocking cap. And then by the end of the game, I have on a t shirt and some (laughs) jeans. Right. That is exactly, I got two layered last year, yes. and our RIP Dan was in like eight layers of clothes and then could not pee. Dude had on two pairs of sweatpants. Yes, and jeans. Yes. And then like a hoodie over a hoodie and two hoodies on. <laughs> and it's like, you, how can you shed? I, I'm with you. I, at that game, I ended up down to uh, a long sleeve, uh, like a thermal, a t-shirt, and my bibs. I mean, it was freezing cold when we got there at 5.30 a.m. So before the sun came up, it was cold. But then the sun comes up and it peaks over the little horizon. You get some heat off the parking lot and you can start shedding some clothes. I recommend cold weather games. It's not as bad as you think. You hear 30 degrees and you think this is going to be terrible, but you're around a fire. You're drinking. I will say you're not going to be that cold. Remember that first Chiefs Raiders game we went to was 8 degrees outside. Yeah, that, was, that was bad. We that had was... to put cardboard under our feet because it was so cold that it was, you would absorb the cold. But it wasn't that we were prepared for it because we layered. So that's exactly. a good tip. Number three, you started to touch on this. It's a community. Tailgating is about the cars around you as much as it is you. It, it's you're, You have something in common. You're all a fan of this team. Be neighborly. Some of our greatest memories at tailgates are when we become friendly with the group next to us. Or you got people walking around. Uh, There was a time we had two kegs from our friends at Boulevard. We had a ton of food. And people would just walk by and be like, oh, shit, those guys have a keg. Be like, yeah, you want like a beer? You want a cup? We got them. Yeah. And that like that you're there to make friends, to throw a party, to have fun. Be neighborly. Don't be the guy who like huddles around his grill with his back to everyone. Like you're there to make friends, to have a great time, and share. Don't be afraid to share. You got a girl's number last year because she walked over and was like, 
hey, you guys have ketchup. We forgot ours. Can we borrow some? I thought you were talking about the shotgun girl. That was a different number you got last year. <laughs> but sometimes, like, you just have, like, a, like you said, you got a product somebody forgot. You got matches, extra charcoal, ice, ketchup. It's trash. We always have a ton of it because I don't need it. Like, <laughs> everyone be, else does, right, though. <laughs> right. So be that person who's like, oh, yeah, we got you. We're cool. Like, let's just have fun. We're all friends here. Yeah, and then your tailgate grows. It turns into a block party. Like, oh, before you know it, your whole row or, you know, like, five or six cars around you, everybody's mingling together. Like, that's the way to do it. So be neighborly. Yeah. While you're being neighborly, you're going to need yourself some tables. I don't care if you're Bill's Mafia and you're going through those motherfuckers <laughs> or what. You just you need some tables. For me, it's beer pong. Yeah, yes. I want to do that. And also, just for your setup, it's so inconvenient if you're trying to cook on the grill and get people food. You need a place where you can set up all your stuff and have your plates, your chips, your drinks, whatever, take some tables, even if you do plan on going through them at the end of the day. If you're going to light them on fire and jump through them, yeah. you need to take a table. Whatever you want to do with them, right. you're going to need a table. And like when I used to have a truck, and we could use my tailgate as well, now I have an SUV. Uh, not as convenient, I think, for tailgating. Um, it'll be nice to block the wind a little bit, but... Uh, I think tables are super important. We have, uh, it was not very expensive and they're not paying us. So I'm not going to tell you where I got it, but you can Google and get professional beer pong tables that fold yep. out. And we sometimes will multi-use them to like eat on. Uh, one year we set up a, we got there for breakfast. So we did a breakfast bar with Bloody Mary's, mimosas and screwdrivers. So you need a, you need a beverage table and a food table. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you there. Yeah. Like one for games, one for yeah. food setup. Yep. Absolutely. Number two for me are the games because you can't like I'm cool to stand in a spot for six hours and drink. You know this about me, but I like to show off my cornhole skills and it's another way to be neighborly. Hey, we got bags. Y'all want to play or you want to shotgun beers? You want to do beer bongs? Like, what do you want to do? I'm here to, to do it. Like if you whatever game, uh, Polish golf, you horseshoes. I mean, I'll play What's the, the I don't bat care. spin game where you spin around the bat and then chug it? I don't remember that one. I'm not good at it, and I know that. You did that a couple years ago. Hey, I'm telling you, if you don't have games at your tailgate, it's boring. I probably, I think I have ADD, so <laughs> shout out to all the listeners yeah. who probably also do. I'll get bored. So after I'm done cooking, if there's no game to play, I'm just going to start shotgunning beer, and <laughs> then gonna shit's going to get out of hand. <laughs> so you got to have some games to keep me entertained and keep everybody else entertained there. Like, you're with your friends. It's cool. You can stand around and talk, but you also need something going on just in case you run into a dull moment or a little lag in your tailgate. And maybe your buddy, Austin, will bring his girlfriend you're meeting for the first time, and they will stop and buy You remember they brought those tiny brought mini cans? Mini Bud Lights yeah. or whatever. I think we were taking pictures holding his cans. It made me feel like Andre <laughs> the Giant. Right? I could shotgun this beer in three seconds. You know, <laughs> yeah. it was like the only time I was good at shotgunning was when Austin and Franklin brought the tiny beer. So uh, hat tip to them for that. Next one for me, like I've said and like you've said, Matt, I man the grill. And for the first couple of years trying to learn and pack for a tailgate, we always brought small grills. So I ended up either like sitting on my ass in a parking lot or trying to set it up on a, a tailgate. Bring a real grill, a tall grill that you can stand there and actually use. I know they sell those little ones. Don't buy them. No. They're worthless. Spend the extra 30 bucks and get yourself a real grill that you can stand and use because you're going to need it. You don't want to be crouched over trying to cook cheeseburgers or no. breakfast burritos, whatever you it is that you make. You also don't want to look like an amateur. Like, I don't know what, you're, like, what, what your play is, but, like, 
when I was single and you're a single guy, you go to a tailgate, you want to mingle with the ladies. You can't be the guy ass crack out exactly over a fucking mini grill that looks like my kid could use. You want to be a man with a big grill. And I wish someone sponsored this because I keep almost saying the type of grill that <laughs> right, you have. Too. And it's so it's you have such a great tailgate grill, but they're not gonna pay me to say their name unless they hear this, then they can and I'll retroactively say it. Take a, a grill, a man-sized grill. And here's a note that I would add to that. And I, I think I had this in our notes originally. Use charcoal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't use propane. So much can go wrong with propane, number one, as I have experienced in <laughs> very recently. Number two, charcoal stays hot longer, and it will. this will always happen. You'll cook your food for your friends, you'll eat, and then someone will either show up late or someone will walk by, and you're being neighborly, and you're, they're like, hey, you got any more? Like, hey, yeah, we'll throw a couple more brats on there. It's still hot. Yeah. I'm with you all the way on charcoal. Like, charcoal I've always been a charcoal guy. Charcoal because guess what doesn't happen? There's never a situation where you can't start a fire and cook over it. Yeah, and like you, you get said, a bad tank of propane, you're fucked. Those cold days, huddling around oh, yeah. a, a warm grill. Or I caught my hand on fire last year at a tailgate. Couldn't yeah. have done that with propane. I, I burnt through a glove because I tried to take the grate off, but yeah. whatever. Shit yeah. happens, but it we're does. still here. <laughs> Power through. Number one for me. And this is very important because we've we've referenced it a lot. We've tailgated at Chiefs games before. Uh, we, we've tailgated all over. Most importantly, adopt the home team. I'm not a Chiefs fan. I'm a 49ers fan. You're not a Chiefs fan. Nope. But when you go to Kaufman, or <laughs> Kaufman, when you yes. go to Arrowhead, <laughs> same parking lot. When you go to Arrowhead, you are a Chiefs fan. Adopt the team. Oh, yeah. I buy like a cheap-ass Chiefs hoodie, and I yep. wear it. I buy a red flannel I wear it, yep, and I mingle with the Chiefs fans. I, I yell, yell at Raiders the Raiders fans. fans. Yes. Like, I'm all in. I'm invested. I'm, I learn the chants. Yeah, like I'm, I've been going there for my whole life. I'm a super fan on that right. Sunday. Yes. I might paint my face this year for the Chiefs game. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah, after tailgating with the Hellraisers, maybe we learn how to paint faces, and that becomes wait. our thing. I, I think this is very important, though. Like, be enthusiastic. Have fun. Become a fan of the team, even if you're not one. Yeah, I mean, just let loose. Enjoy the atmosphere. When in Rome, do as the Romans do. Like, get on board with whatever they got going on. Yep. Last tip, my number one tip. We did this last time, and we will Epic. always do it. From now on, plan for two meals at your tailgate. So if you're going to an early game, you're going to want to hit up breakfast first. Make yourself some breakfast burritos. Put some bacon in a skillet. Oh, God. You're all set. It sets the mood off right. We even did screwdrivers. Plan for two meals. Then later in the day, have yourself a nice little early lunch before you go in. You save money because you're not buying food in the game. You're drinking more. You have a a whole options of things that you can do. If it's a night game, do lunch, then dinner. But plan for two meals. I would love to tailgate for a night game. Oh, that would would be great. Oh, we are Saturday. Yeah, that's uh, oh, yeah. conveniently oh, yeah. timed out. Huh. I was just saying, like, God damn, a night game would be amazing. You're right, though. Uh, what, the, the best tailgate we've ever thrown, we were super prepared and everyone made fun of us because you and I were messaging in our group message for weeks about this tailgate. And it's guess what's going to happen this year when we do it? Just a warning to all our friends who listen yep, to this you're show. welcome. Yeah. We had, I made breakfast burritos on the grill, let you drink and set up the drink station, right? Oh, yeah, you got I the crowd set going. it up all right. You got the music going. I'm cooking breakfast burritos. We had fucking bacon. Uh, we had potatoes. I scrambled eggs. Like we had legit breakfast burritos. And then guess what? We tapped out. 
and we started drinking together. You and I started working the crowd. We started drinking whiskey with people. We started playing cornhole. And then about 11 o'clock, you throw some brats on the grill. Boom, you get to eat one more time before you go in. You don't have to pay $15 for that shitty-ass stadium food. Two meals is the way to go. It is, and we will always do it from here on out. College football memories, and this was one of the harder top fives. We've been doing Stick Football Fridays for 40 weeks now. It's one of the harder top fives I've ever had to do where just to narrow down. So I am I was born in 83. So my college football memories go back to probably like 90, realistically. You know, so I got about a long time, 28 years of college football memories. So and like honestly, tough. I'm 30, but I bet I have 28 years of college football <laughs> memories. Yeah, like, I bet you do too. Very young age, yeah. I started watching college I mean, it football. It was what we did all week, like Saturdays. This is all we did was watch college football and then play football outside. Exactly. Like, yeah. And like we've said before. And I think the reason you and I are such big college football fans, we grew up in a fairly religious home where on Sundays we had to go to church in the mornings and in the evenings. That didn't leave a lot of time for NFL. Saturdays, we did nothing. Yeah, and that was my thing, too, like even how I got into liking the draft, which many of our listeners are here for, the draft. I loved watching these guys play on Saturday and see what they do and then see where they transition after they kind of went to the NFL. Maybe it tailed off a little bit, but— I loved watching them do what they could do on Saturday. And as this is the last stick to football Friday without college football, college football asterisk starts Saturday yeah, night. I, was I mean, say, it's like, not it, great. Yeah. Wyoming <laughs> plays. They got games. a couple guys. And like next Thursday, there are games as well. But it, I mean, it is kicking off. The season off. starts. But then, yeah, when next does week, game day start? Ooh. Next week. Okay. So Notre really Dame, Michigan is their first one. Yeah. But there are definitely games. But like you said, yeah, it's going to kick off next week. I'm so ready. And let's do these top five memories. Uh, I want to go first because I incorrectly labeled this game earlier. It's okay. We figured it out. Uh, Missouri versus Nebraska in 1997. Nebraska is the number one team in the country, I believe, at that time. And we are Mizzou. We're Missouri boys. We're not Mizzou fans. But I've always had a respect for them. And. So they look like they're going to upset Nebraska, which is a huge deal because Missouri at the time sucked it's, at football. And it was a, kind of a rivalry. Yeah, a little bit of rivalry. And Missouri was bad. Very bad. This was pre-Brad Smith. They were bad at football. And they were going to beat Nebraska. And then Scotty Frost drops back, throws the ball to the end zone. It gets tipped around, kicked around. And then Matt Davidson, at the last second, dives in and catches this ball. Nebraska wins. Yeah, and this was in a time when teams did not throw the football. No, like, triple option. Especially Nebraska. It was Scott Frost. They probably threw the ball like 10 times a game. So to have the game come down to this and the kick that sent it up in the air, I remember everybody saying like, oh, that should have been illegal or Illegal whatever. contact. Exactly. But it wasn't intentional, so it was a whole big deal. But it was great to be able to sit in the living room and watch that game. And obviously, I'm a huge Scott Frost fan, so yeah, I, I was rooting for Nebraska then. Yeah, that's a great one. And your number five, uh, it's not really, a, it's not a game. It's not a game or like a something that happened, but just remembering the early 2000s Miami teams, it is ridiculous how much NFL talent they had on that team. Guys like Willis McGahee, Frank Gore, Clinton Portis, all on the same team. Jeremy Shockey, Keller Winslow, just the running backs, Greg Olson, all on the same team, yeah. like Andre Johnson, Reggie Wayne. These are guys that are going to be Hall of Famers. Ed Reed, Sean Taylor, Ken Dorsey, 
Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Brian McKinney. Like right. there's just so much talent on that team. From whether it's college football or draft, early 2000s Miami was like, I mean, they were setting records. Six, seven dudes getting drafted in the first round. Exactly. And it was like, what's crazy about it was it would be like a generational, you think generational type guy, like whatever, Clinton Portis, Frank Gore. Mm-hmm. And then here comes Willis McGahee. And it's like at, at safety. Oz Ed Reed, but then it's Sean Taylor. And it's like, there's just so much talent. And they were producing. I know their corners didn't produce much in the NFL. But they were good. But every year they'd have like one or two. It seemed Mike like Mike didn't give up a touchdown in yeah. college. Antrell Roll was another right. just huge he was athlete. He number six pick in the draft. Yeah, and he was like a 6'2 corner. He I bet great. I know more about those Miami teams than I do these Miami teams. Yeah. Jonathan Vilma and DJ Williams. Vince oh. Wilfork, like... All of these guys played in the same little time span, and they just they were dominating college football. I would bet that they like the bust rate from those guys is so small. Like they were all at least really good NFL players. Oh yeah, every single they played for a couple years right. in the NFL. Maybe not pro. I think Bowl they had level, like a pass rusher that was bad, if I'm remembering right. I, yeah, like McDougal. Yes, or something drum. No, yeah, I think so. Yes, yeah, that's like it though. So. Yeah, that, that was so much fun to watch. And our buddy, uh, Dan, who unfortunately passed away uh, earlier this year, was a huge Miami fan. So we also had to put up with all his bullshit about this. Yeah, but he was right about those early 2000 teams. Like It was special to watch really them was. play. It was like... Uh, Can you imagine if they had a quarterback that wasn't Oh, my Dorsey? God. <laughs> if they had, like... I don't even know who in the early 2000s. Michael Vick. Yeah, Drew Brees. Oh, yeah. Or some, you know, somebody like that. It would have been lights out. Even worse than it already was. Yeah. Uh, so number four on my list. I don't know if you remember this game like I do, but uh, I, I had a game DVR'd because it was I was married at the time. And my wife wanted to go do something as happens, and uh, some people started blowing up her phone and were like, "Is Matt okay?" She's like, "Yeah, of course he's okay, sitting right beside me." And they're like, "Undefeated Texas is losing to Nebraska right now," and this In is the Colt Big McCoy 12 championship. Big Twelve Championship game. Colt McCoy versus Dominican Sue. If the if Texas wins, they go to the Natty, right, uh, against Alabama. And so, and my wife at the time's like, something's going on with this Texas Nebraska game. And I was like, don't tell me, it's DVR'd. We'll watch it when we get home. Don't tell me, right? I don't want to know a thing. But she's like, a lot of people are asking, like, worried about you. So we get home, watch it. You know, I'm watching the game. Fast forward through commercials, and I get to the end of the game where. Some time may or may not have been put back on <laughs> the clock. Maybe like one second. Maybe a little bit of time gets put back on the clock. But Texas kicks a field goal to win, and I went nuts. Yeah, I I remember this game. I was actually sitting at a bar in Springfield, Missouri, watching it with uh, one of our listeners, Rob. And he is not a Texas fan. We were with another guy who is a Texas fan. And we just couldn't believe that this team, this Nebraska team, was dominating Texas the way that they were. And Dominican Sue should have won the Heisman off that game. Yes. I've never seen a defensive player take over a game like he did. Like he was killing everyone. Thank God they put time back on that clock. <laughs> right. Or Texas wouldn't have been able to shoot. I the actually my there. my conspiracy theory is Sue actually broke Colt McCoy and then they just Marcel Darius finished it. He probably did. And the trainers were like, No, we're playing in the national championship game. Just go out there for a little bit and it just broke in half once he, he got had there. 20 and a half tackles for a loss and 12 sacks and 10 passes defensed. Yeah. And Dominican Sue did. I know. And he just, he should have been the second guy to win the Heisman as a defensive player, but he wasn't. Yeah. Oh God. That was a great team. All right. Next one for me, I'm going with a kick game too. I remember watching this game. I also, as a married man, 
sitting there with a freshly newborn baby. I think pretty, pretty young, if I remember right. 2013. Yeah. Yeah. So like one year old or less. Sitting there watching the Alabama and Auburn game, just going nuts when they are trying to kick this super long field goal. Auburn catches it 109 yards away from their end zone, and they return it. It's the kick six game. was one of the most amazing football games I've ever seen. If you take away bowl appearances and national championship games, I think that's the best college football game of all time. Just as a rivalry game, yes, Chris Davis, 109 yards. And like you said, it was one of those things, it's like, yeah, like Devin Hester used to do this for the Bears, like catch the short field goals and run them back. Like you're whatever. Not and in the Iron Bowl. There were like 30 <laughs> seconds left. And, and he just watching it. I remember him catching it being like, okay, well, somebody's going to tackle him though. Someone's going to tackle him. Yeah. Though. Holy shit. He's getting up no. the sideline. Holy shit. He's right. going to score. I'm sorry. I said 30 seconds left. There was one second left. It yeah, was literally no time, time expired. It, it is. I think it's one of the most like shocking ends to a game I've ever seen. Oh, I agree. I like, like it's I up there with for me. It's up there with Patriot Seahawks. The interception the in the band. Like, yeah, the band is on the field. Um, it yeah, that was amazing. Uh, and Chris Davis, that was the only thing he ever did. But what a play! Uh, that's definitely. I I think like you measure these moments by did you jump off your couch? Like if you didn't <laughs> jump off your couch, yeah. it doesn't and make shout the list. at the TV. Yeah, are you fucking kidding? Yeah, like if you're not yelling at the TV, ear muffing your one year old. What, <laughs> yeah. what does she think of it? I don't earmuff my kids, so no, she was probably just terrified and crying. They're going to hear care. it. So, I, like I said, some of my memories go back a little bit, and the reason this one makes number three on my list is because we played a religious amount of backyard football, or it wasn't really backyard because we lived across the street from the school, so we would go play on right, the field. Right. We played so much like backyard-style football, and the one of the plays I tried to recreate over and over again was Eric Crouch's 95-yard run. And this was such an iconic play, right? I mean, it it seared into my brain, him, like, juking and just, it's just, it's just like, short white kid. Was this, that was another Mizzou-Nebraska game. Mizzou-Nebraska right? game. So far, you have three memories that are <laughs> Nebraska. <laughs> you were a Nebraska fan growing up, so of course I did. This Eric Crouch run, though, is one of the most amazing. It was 2001, so I'm a senior in high school, right? And this is like me peak athletic. And I, I'm not going to skip Bayless the shit. I was pretty fast as a kid. Like, and, and Eric Kratz drops back to pass. Like you said, no one threw the ball back in the day. And you see this Mizzou guy just hit him and like fall off. And he's like, oh shit, there's no one around me. And yeah. that dude Whoop. takes <laughs> off. No one is around him. So Eric Crouch sporting that seven for Nebraska. I don't know, like you, I don't know why I have so many Nebraska memories, other than because we lived in the yeah this country area at the time, in the mid nineties to late nineties. But 90s. that run, I swear to God, I tried to do that. Like it's almost like a juke step. I tried to do that so many times. Where you play like hard a, on that left, it's a Euro step yeah. in basketball. <laughs> you step hard on that left, then oh, I'm back. Oh my God, yeah, Eric Crouch. Though I will never like that will be one of the plays I remember on my deathbed. I can remember Eric Crouch getting like number seven and him coming onto the scene and being like, they're really going to give Scott Frost jersey number <laughs> right. to this other quarterback. And he, <laughs> you know what? He was, he was pretty decent too. And then he Ended got moved up, to safety. Yeah. winning a Heisman. So yeah. whatever. Uh, number three memory for me, I just went with a player because I am so grateful that I got the chance to watch him play. He's probably the second best cornerback of all time. First. 
I loved watching Charles Woodson play. Everything about him at Michigan. He was so marketable. He could have made millions during his time at Michigan. Oh, with my the, God. The rose in his mouth going to the national championship game. The returning the punts, playing offense, the fight with David Boston. That was the one thing that set it off for me that like solidified Michigan versus Ohio State as a rivalry. Watching those two go at it and being like, holy shit, I don't know who's going to win here. That was iconic for me. Right. One of the best players I've ever seen play. Probably a top five favorite college football player for me. Well, number two on my list, buddy boy, is Charles Woodson. His pick against Michigan State. You mentioned his fighting with David Boston. He also went against Charles Rogers at Michigan State, right? Or No. no. He, Who was the receiver? Plaxico Burris. Plaxico Burris, right. So, thank you. It's a big, long receiver. So, they're playing Michigan State, and these were epic rivalries. Epic. And Woodson, like you said, Heisman candidate, just won a badass and there's a play where their quarterback rolls to the right, and the, he, you know, he's got a defender in his face. He's trailing him, and he's like, I'm just going to throw this ball kind of to the sideline as he's rolling right, see what happens. Charles Woodson comes out of fucking nowhere like Superman, jumps, and he's running to his left and jumps up and catches the ball with his right hand, pre-stick'em, Odell Beckham Jr., <laughs> catches that ball and just mosses it, basically, mm-hmm. and brings it down and gets his foot in. And we tried to do this that entire weekend on the sidewalk. I'll tell you, it's not easy. <laughs> I remember that. Like with our buddy Sam, like right. try, even trying. just trying to get the ball right so you could recreate it. Because I don't know if other people did that or if we were just huge nerds we trying to recreate things that you saw on Saturday. But we did it all the time. And it was almost impossible to do. He Charles Woodson was so amazing. I, I, I feel bad for people who aren't old enough to remember just how great he, he was a fantastic NFL player. He's a hall of famer. Charles Woodson in college was like Michael Jordan for the bulls. In my opinion, like not only was he great, but he was like swagged out. Everything he exactly. did was iconic. Like you yeah. said, the rose in the mouth, he made Michigan's uniforms. Cool. Let's be honest. It wasn't <laughs> Tim Biakabatuka. It was Charles Woodson. He, I mean, I think he rocked even like a turtleneck and it yeah. made it Didn't look care. Good. I think he, the number two at Michigan and the number seven at Nebraska are two of the coolest jerseys you'll ever see. Yeah, like, and, it, and it pisses me off when people at Michigan wear two. Like, oh, I hate you, it. You should retire that fucking number. He's right. the only defensive player to ever win the Heisman. Don't let people wear two. I don't give a shit about number one at Michigan. Right. Don't give let it to a receiver. Wear two. David Terrell, Braylon Edwards. Don't care. Yeah. No don't one wears two. Let them wear two. Uh, we talk about all these memories, and the same voice plays over in my head, and it's Keith Jackson. He is the voice of college football for me. Just hearing him all the time with all the plays that he called, dude dates back to forever ago. He is the voice of college football. I can't for remember me. college football without him. Yeah, when it all started. Welcome to the big house. <laughs> exactly. Those Michigan games, everything. Keith Jackson was the man. Um, looking for somebody to take his place. I don't know. There's some pretty good announcers out there, but I don't think anybody's really doing it. Who's like the, Keith Jackson did. The dude that we love that like gives me a heart attack every time we listen to him do Gus a game. Johnson. Gus Johnson. <laughs> yeah. Gus Johnson and oh. Keith Jackson. That's oh. the voice of college football. Gus Johnson gives me anxiety. But you're right with Keith Jackson. I mean, you're looking live. I mean, it was like those calls, man. Oh, Nelly. Those those calls are college football for if you're probably older than 25. I think was he a part of a college football video game? Yes. He was. He was in one of the NCAA games where, like, so it's more 
seared into your memory because you heard him anytime you played that game, which was like all the time, <laughs> all the damn time for me. Hugh Jackson, man, he's a he's amazing. Here's the thing, dead or alive. Um, I actually know he's dead. Yep, that's sad. Yeah, R.I.P. Yep. Keith Jackson. I fucking love Keith Jackson. <laughs> like that was he really was growing up. Like that was. I'm sure for some people, like, you know, there, there's a voice of something for you, and it's like maybe it's Chris Berman for the draft or whatever, or Mel Kuyper. Home run derby. Home run something. derby. Like, Chris, Keith Jackson is the voice of college football for me, and I think that rolls right into my number one on the list because Keith Jackson was known for one game and one game only, and that was the Rose Bowl. And the greatest college football performance I have ever seen is Vince Young at the Rose Bowl taking on a USC team that ESPN called that week the greatest college football team of all time. They had two Heisman Trophy right. winners. They weren't even talking about Texas. They were talking about could this team beat the iconic Nebraskas and Miamis? Was this the greatest collection of talent ever? And Vince Young and the Texas Longhorns beat them. Little did they know that it was the best team ever. They were just talking about the wrong right. one. This game was so big for us as human beings that people in our tiny ass neighborhood were coming to our parents' house to celebrate yeah. Texas like winning. Like eleven thirty on a Tuesday, and random like, people, I can't believe it. <laughs> random people just start showing up at mom and pop's house, and we just went with it. Oh yeah, and that's Keith Jackson too. Was that right. game just having him? Vince Young gets the corner. It's like fourth down. That was the most amazing game I've ever seen. No game. I don't give a shit about what your opinion is. That's great. If you game. don't think Vince Young Rose Bowl is the best college football game ever, you're wrong. Uh, 2006 Rose Bowl, man. I, it is one of those moments where it's like you'll never forget where you were when it happened. The collection of talent in that game oh, it was unreal. It was ridiculous. Fourth and five. He drops back, scans the field, pressured. And nope. Then, the confetti falling down oh, afterwards right. the and picture, Vince just doing Matthew everything. McConaughey losing his shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert, we'll be at the USC-Texas game September 15th. Yeah, so McConaughey, <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> Hit it up, buddy. All right, all right. And all right. I'll tell you, my number one memory, because I knew you were going to take this one, uh, is where it all started for me with Ricky Williams. Getting into college football and watching that dude run, I know he was weird as shit. I know he liked to smoke weed. But watching him run the football was everything that you wanted in a running back. He could do everything. They didn't ask him to catch, but he could do it. Right. He looked so great. Watching him break the all-time rushing record is like the moment I fell in love with college football. Watching him do that, I fell in love with college football and the University of Texas. And those are probably the most two most important things to me outside of any person in my life. And they did it against AM. Which exactly. is even better. <laughs> yeah. And that little scrappy linebacker, Datton Win. Uh, I did radio with him once a couple, like, it was probably five years ago. I was like, huge Ricky Williams fan, man. <laughs> he did not appreciate that, but we're the same height. So I feel like I could get away with it. Uh, you're right. Ricky Williams. People ask us all the time, why are you Texas fans? Why are you Texas fans? It's Ricky Williams. Brent Musburger and, called that game. And he was on, he was in a video game before it was EA. It yes. was called 989 Game Breaker, and you could not stop Ricky Williams at that game. It was not very popular. It wasn't even very good, but I remember playing it. <laughs> it was probably like the discount game that our parents couldn't afford. Right. So like, you want a college football game here? here this one's 10 bucks, not 34 30. for Texas. <laughs> yeah, Ricky Williams. I just want to end on this. Today in the mail, I got an autographed Earl Campbell jersey for the college football room. Very excited. It's not exactly rivalry weekend in college football, but 
It might as well be. So we are going to talk about them this week. We're going to do it draft style. Again, I prefer it that way. I like it. Uh, so how are we going to settle this thing? Who goes first? Uh, normally, uh, we sit here and we're like, ooh, do we have a coin? And we don't have a coin, so we end up flipping koozies yeah, this or, week. Yeah, pins or whatever we have. I have a quarter. I have a good old, it doesn't say the year on it. Huh? Nope. It's, it's an Idaho one. quarter. It's a, Idaho is founded in 1890. 2007. 2007. So heads or tails, you can call it. Well, you always go tails, right? Tails never fails. I always go heads. So You don't have a catchy saying with that, though. No, it's just the winner. <laughs> no. All right, here we go. And it's heads. Right. <laughs> Tails never fails, and it's heads. And failed. I wanted to defer anyway. I, I had kind of figured you did, actually, <laughs> uh, because I am not going to go with a Texas team here for number one overall. I am going to go with a team we are going to see play each other for our tailgate. Huge deal. Ooh. Ohio State-Michigan is going number one overall for me. It's a bucket list game. It's always good, even when the teams are unranked. You know you're going to get solid play here. And these guys are always playing for the Big Ten. Every year they're in contention for the conference. And they're going to do it again this year. They look like two almost unbeatable teams at times. So being able to see them play, the hatred that's always there. You got guys like Charles Woodson, David Boston fighting each other. I was going to say, that's like, it's iconic this game is. You have those memories of Charles Woodson and David Boston going at it. You have the... Desmond Howard moments. like yeah, They don't even write the letter M if you're from Ohio right, State. Right, it's X. Yeah, yeah it's just X. Uh, this game is amazing. I can't wait to be there. Uh, I wish we were going to see it in the big house, but it'll be cool in the shoe as well. So definitely uh, we'll have information about the tailgate there once we get it all settled down. Number one on my list, since we're doing it draft style, you didn't take it. I'm going to take Texas versus Oklahoma. My first exposure to this game, uh, I was an adult. And my boss at my my job I had before Bleacher Report knew I was a huge Texas fan. And I, at the time, I thought there's no way I'm ever going to be able to afford to drive from Joplin to Dallas and go to the Cotton Bowl. And tickets for this game are incredibly expensive. So he was like, you know what? Let me get you. So he paid for my tickets in a hotel room. I think he even gave me like money to eat. So I go down there and you, you ride if you go to the Cotton Bowl, everybody rides like public transportation. You ride the train to the stadium. So the Cotton Bowl is in like a weird part of town, and it's this old-ass stadium. So you ride the train down there, and then you have to walk into the stadium from the, the train station. So you get off the Which train. Is one hell of a walk. It's a, it's a hike. So you get off the train. One side of the street, burnt orange. Other side of the street, that ugly, ugly, ugly m- maroon. I almost called it something that definitely would have got cut. So I'm not going to say it. Just an ugly maroon. And it's like it was segregated, like orange on one side, maroon on the other. They split the stadium at the 50. and it's, Which is great. Yeah, it's orange on one side, maroon on the other. And it's like there's pure hatred. And it's like it's cool that the atmosphere is at the Texas State Fair, and it sucks that the game was at the Texas State Fair because you have to deal with the fair crowd. But there's nothing like it. And if you're a Texas fan, uh, you hate Oklahoma. And if you're an Oklahoma fan, you hate oh, you hate Texas fans. It's like it's not like oh, that other school. Like no, you I fucking hate you. Like yeah, like I don't want to see your shirt. If I see a guy walking yeah. down the street, and we live very close to Oklahoma, sadly, if he's got like an OU hat on, I just automatically assume that guy's probably a douchebag. Yeah. I'm not going to talk to him. Man, uh, can't or wait don't to want to Mason Whitlock, or don't want to talk to you. So it is different, and man, like. It, to me, if you're from Texas, the state of Texas, if you're, and then you play at Oklahoma, you're a traitor. Yeah, and I, 
judging by the way that we've talked with guys like, you know, Shipley and Griffin and some of the other guys that we got to meet this year, I think a lot of the Texas players think that too. And I think that almost builds on the rivalry because they see you as like, oh, you left Texas. You're not one of us anymore. And then all those guys that did go to Oklahoma are still trying to prove like, no, I'm still, I'm from Texas. I just went up north. And it's a huge deal for him. So I'm I'm with you. Obviously, it's a great rivalry. We were on top of this year. Thankfully, that was my number two rivalry as well. I'm up again. You took my good ones. The next ones that I have are kind of, I don't even know if they will be on your board. I have so many good ones. I'm like, I want to go again. Okay, well, I think I'm going to draft this one because I don't think you, I think you might. I'm going with Army versus Navy. God damn it. Just the fact that everyone shuts down. It's like the only game on that Saturday. It's cold. No one's going to throw a pass. It's old school football, and you want to see it. And like we've talked about before, you have a rooting interest. Either you know somebody who is in the Army or you know somebody that was in the Navy, and you just you pick a side. It doesn't matter where you are. You don't even have to be a fan of college or college football. You have a side for Army versus Navy. Yeah, and the right side's Army. Yes, all the time. I mean, there's there's a right side and there's a wrong side. I used to hate when Navy was good at football. Like, well, better than Army. I don't know yeah. that you could say they've ever really been it's good at football. It's like Roger Staubach, but we right, went around for that. Yeah. I've, just, I've been waiting for the days that Army would dominate this rivalry, and I, I hope that we're seeing it right now. I love their uniforms. I love their uniforms. All so. the patriotism around the game, just everything about it makes it a great show. I love that they almost beat Oklahoma. Oh, my gosh. I mean, they have two losses this year, Duke and Oklahoma. So the old Knights are playing pretty well. That is one of the cleanest uniforms in college football. Uh, That was next on my list, so I'm going to have to pivot here. I'm going to take Alabama-Auburn. It's called the Iron Bowl. There have been years where it decides the national championship. There have been years where it decides the SEC. This isn't one of those years, but this game still matters. You split the state in half. If you're from North Alabama, roll tide. If you're from the South Alabama, War Eagle, and the accents get flowing. There's mullets everywhere. There's a lot of swooped bangs, guys with their PFGs tucked in. You know you're wearing croquis with your Ray-Bans, boat shoes galore, and the girls are dressed up, and that is a game on my bucket list. Yeah, definitely. Like the kick six game, that would have been probably one of the best games in college football history. I would say it it would probably be number two for me behind the Texas Rose Bowl. But that is a great rivalry, especially when you got people down there poisoning trees and pissed off at other fans. <laughs> Killing the growth. Like, yeah. Don't do that, guys. Don't <laughs> no, kill a tree. It's terrible. They're living thing. <laughs> Next game for me, I'm going off the radar. A great rivalry, even though it's not showcased. I'm going with Harvard and Yale. Oh, my God. Because this is a college football podcast, <laughs> but that is another one that runs deeper uh, than just sports. If you go to Harvard, you don't like the people up at Yale. And it just goes back and forth there. So it's deeper than that. We get some nerd level here. And it's a very old rivalry. And I just, I love it. Because there are two great teams that have been playing forever. They have played 134 games. They started this rivalry in 1875. Oh, my God. Yes. I didn't even know there was college football in 1875. Yeah. And... 134 games. The record here is 67 wins for Yale, 
59 wins for Harvard. So it's still very close, even though they've done this 134 times. One of the oldest rivalries in football. Wow. It's just called the game. I didn't the know game. that. Yeah. I thought that was Ohio State, Michigan. Uh, I did too. Nope. Guess they stole it. So uh, the more you know, Yale plays at Harvard this year, Mello. So that's uh, if you want to make another road trip. I mean, put it on my bucket list. <laughs> yeah. I'll go up there. Woo, sexy time. All right. Number three on my list, a game I've actually uh, been to, USC Notre Dame. It, it's not a regional rivalry, but it is a rivalry of two national powers. Not so much this year with USC, but there have been years where Notre Dame was down. These schools, I feel like they do hate each other, but people from Notre Dame are just so nice. They're like, they're not liking you is giving you wrong directions. Not like <laughs> they're not going to poison your trees. Like They're not going to, you know, burn a, a Trojan in effigy. They're going to tell you that like the bathroom's full when it's not like it's the people in South Bend are just sweet. But this game uh, was one of those growing up like you did not miss Notre Dame USC because of the pro prospects and there was back in the day always something riding on this one. Yeah, and I that was another one that was definitely on my list too because when these two teams are good, they can control what's going on in college football. When they had Reggie Bush and uh, Brady Quinn there, that was a huge game. If these two teams can both get it going in the same year, it's probably one of the best rivalries. It was definitely the on Bush my push, big right? Too. That was yeah before it was legal. I mean, it yeah. should have been a penalty, but whatever. We still beat them. <laughs> but I I totally agree with you there. That's a great rivalry. Next one for me, since you took one of mine here, taking one of mine. I'm going with Florida and Georgia. So it hasn't always been a marquee matchup because it seems like maybe one team will be good, the other team not so much. But they decide the SEC East almost every year. Even when the years are down, they decide what happens on that side of the conference. And also, it's the largest tail, or the cocktail party. World's largest cocktail I, party. I don't think you can call it that anymore. They try not to. But the fact that they did and people knew what was going on there is great. I love it. So that's rivalry number four for me. Uh, I love this game. It was on my list. I just have a hard time saying it because of Florida Georgia line, that country band that exactly. I hate so much. <laughs> so it's like I don't even want to. I wrote it down as Georgia Florida. That it's it almost didn't make my list because I didn't want to say Florida Georgia. I hate the band so so much. So. That's where I'm at on that one. Uh, I feel like we're like, this should have been a top four this week because we're just through the good games. Uh, I'll go back to one that is no longer a game, but goddamn should be. If Beto wins the Senate in Texas, put this game back on there, buddy. Texas, Texas A&M needs to be a game. Like yeah. this, you, this is like was as big as Texas, Oklahoma at one point. Uh, you know, whether it's in Kyle Field or in Austin, like that is just a fantastic game. Again, if a regional thing. You've got Central Texas versus East Texas. And like the a lot of these guys have grown up playing against each other and rival towns in high school, even. So the it's like there's a brotherhood because it's all Texas high school football, but then there's a there's so much pride that goes into this game. We need to get it back down there. Ted Cruz, Beto, whoever wins, just run on the promise that you'll put this game back, and I guarantee you will win at the primary or whatever. It, I like it, too, and it needs to happen on Black Friday. I don't care if it's during the day. Hell, you could even do it Thursday night for Thanksgiving. It needs to be one of those two, though, Thursday night or on Black Friday. It is a great, like, oh, I've done some heavy eating on Thanksgiving. Now I'm going to watch Texas and Texas A&M play. It's great, and it needs to happen again. I can't believe that it is not going on. 
It's been too it's long. It's sad. Like, this was, to me, maybe this is another top five, like, best football watching events. But that, like, I ate too much and want to die feeling watching this game. And then being a hungover on New Year's Day watching football all day, like, that's just a tradition that I don't want to live my life without. <laughs> yeah, and I'm with you. It's too bad that we don't get to see it anymore. So I'm I'm up again here. Number five rivalry for me. Uh, it's hard. To, it's hard to pick five. Really, is. I have a couple on my list uh, that I I don't think I'm going to pick because they are local. I had Pitt State versus Missouri I was, Southern. I thought you were going to do it. <laughs> it. It was on my list, but I, I don't think I'm going to go there. I also had Missouri versus Kansas. Uh, but there's another game that's sticking out to me that maybe you don't view as a rivalry, but I did some looking up on stats here. I'm going with Wisconsin versus Minnesota. <laughs> what, the Paul Bunyan trophy? <laughs> because it's the Paul Bunyan trophy. And I was looking up rivalries, and I came to like a point where I was stumped, and I was like, I got to look up some just so I know what's going on here. They also have a very old rivalry, 127 games. I love the Paul Bunyan axe. I it's a great like, trophy. Do they not use that in the Big Ten for like every fucking game? Didn't we just watch Michigan, Michigan State be I some kind of Paul Bunyan or Little Brown Jug or something? I don't know. If your game has some kind of trophy, then I'm all for it. If it's like one that you can actually carry, you know, sometimes it's like <laughs> these, like the golden hat in the Texas O. You yeah, the cool. fact that you can wear it is cool. I do like that one. Was Paul Bunyan a real person? True. Yes or no. This is kind of like our dead or our life thing. It is. I know the answer. I'm going to say he's not a real person. Not a real person. Yeah, for me. Oh, I mean, there might have been, but there wasn't. Like a fictional With character. a blue ox. Yeah, definitely yeah, not. I only know that ox is blue because the ox's name was <laughs> Blue. Thank you, Paul Bunyan, for that's my Halloween costume next year. Hey, and you know what? This rivalry, maybe it's not talked about very much. Looking at this record here, 60 wins for Wisconsin, 59 I would Minnesota. not have thought that. Very close. Uh, Minnesota was very good a very long time ago. Yeah. Like right when the Big Ten started, people actually went to Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, number five on my list. Uh, I'm I'm trying to get away from the obvious. I didn't want to pick Miami, Florida State, or Florida, Florida State, because frankly, no one gives a shit about those games anymore. Not right now. No one at all cares about this one outside of one state, but it has, I think, the best nickname of any rivalry in college football. Do you know what it is? I don't. The Civil War. Oregon, Oregon State. Oh, yeah, that is a good one. It's just it, a great name. It really is. The game sucks. It's it hasn't been rivalry. good since like yeah. Derek Anderson was in college, but it's fine. It has a kick-ass <laughs> name. It's going to make my list. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. It used to be it had some hype around it in like the 90s. Yeah. It's kind of slowed down because Oregon got a little bit good there for a while. Uh, but I think that's a pretty solid list. There are some good rivalries out there. And then there's like Wisconsin versus Minnesota. So. Thanks again for hanging out with us today on a special show. We don't very often go to the well and do these best of shows, but today uh, in order for us to have a nice little Christmas vacation with our families, you guys get one of these throwbacks. So like I said, we will be back Friday morning with a brand new show, Mellow and I in office. So we will talk to you all then. 